0: So let me pray. Lord, I love you and I thank you and ask, would you please bless right now? Um, thank you that faith, hope, and, sin, and, and love make so much sense right now and that you are good and you're kind. Teach us your ways in how you reconcile relationships. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Genesis 42, if you look at this with me. I want to read the story. Uh, just read it to you and then we'll, we'll work through the text. Uh, to set the scene, uh, Joseph is now in second in command in Egypt. He answers to no one except the Pharaoh himself. And he has gone from the hated little boy, the little teenager who was rejected and abandoned by brothers, sold multiple times in the, in the human trafficking and slave trade, in the ancient Mediterranean world, ended up in Egypt, was in prison for possibly 10 to 11 years, possibly, and then finally he's out of prison and he's now reigning as one of the principal authorities in Egypt. So he's vindicated. And he does so because he knows he's able to uh, to interpret dreams and he interprets the pharaoh's dream that there's going to be seven years of plenty seven years of famine, and because he knew that, he was able to say, let's, let's plant double crops, let's tax everyone a certain portion of the crops so that we can store for the seven years. And he ends up saving the land of Egypt and putting them as the number one superpower on earth as well as untold people having food because of his decision. So the scene is set. And yet we're at the place where he has not reconciled with his brothers, which is where the trouble started. And this is the beginning of that. So Genesis 42, verse 1. Now Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt. And Jacob said to his sons, why are you staring at one another? And then he said, look, I've heard that there's grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us from the place so that we may live and not die. So 10 of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt. The scene is set. Here we go. The, uh, verse six. Now Joseph was the ruler of the land. He was the one who sold grain to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. Why is that significant? Joseph's brothers are now bowing to him, faces to the ground. Why is that a big deal? It was in because during the dreams, this little 17-year-old kid said, Hey, y'all want to hear my dream? Guess what? You all are going to bow down and worship me. And they go, Really? Come here. We want to we beat you up right now. And, and yet, here we are. The 10 brothers are bowing down with their faces to the ground. And then verse 7, it says, Joseph saw his brothers. He recognized them, but they did not recognize him. He disguised himself and he spoke harshly to them. Joseph is speaking harshly to his brothers. Why? That's interesting. Joseph remembered the dreams which he had had about them. Joseph remembered the dreams that he had about them. I want to make a brief comment. God knows how to encourage and God knows how to speak truth to you even when nobody else is. God God sees that you have worth and God can speak truth and grace into your heart even when no one else does. So Joseph remembers his dreams, he remembers the abuse stories. And according to verse 8, he speaks harshly to them. And he says, you are spies and you have come to look at the undefended parts of our land. And they said to him, no, my Lord, we're your servants and we've just come to buy food. We are all sons of one man. And this is how they describe. Sonny, it says five times. This is how they are described. We are honest men. That's what it says. We're we're just here to buy, buy grain. We're all sons of one man, Israel. We are honest men. Your servants are not spies. Joseph said, no, but you have come to look at the undefended parts of our land. No, 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 no. Your servants are 12 brothers in all, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest is with our father today. And one is no longer alive. They think Joseph's dead. They think and he's standing right in front of them. I wonder what was I wonder what was going on in in Jacob's heart or Joseph's heart. Just cannot imagine. Joseph said to them, It is as I said to you, you are spies. By this you'll be tested. By the life of Pharaoh. How's that for authority? He can swear over the life of Pharaoh. That's authority. That's power. For by this you'll be tested by the life of Pharaoh. You shall not leave this place until your younger brother comes here. Prove it. Prove that there's a little brother. And if you don't, you're going to die. Send one of you and have him get your brother while you remain confined so that your words may be tested. Whether there is truth in you. Ooh, What a question whether or not there's truth in you. But if not, by the life of Pharaoh, you are certainly spies. So he put them all in prison for three days. Can you imagine? Why did he do that? Do you think Joseph said, you know what? I think I was in prison for about 10 years because of you guys. I think I want you to know what that feels like. Lock them up. And those big Egyptian bodyguards came, shackled, wooden blocks around their feet, dungeon. Three days, three days. Verse 18, now Joseph said to them on the third day, do this and live for I fear God. Pam, I think something's stirring in Joseph's heart. I think he's kind of breaking a little bit. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers be confined in your prison. But as for the rest of you, go carry grain for the famine of your households and bring your youngest brother to me so that your words may be verified and you will not die. And they did so while they're walking, while they're walking away from him. The 10 brothers talk to each other, they they say this. Truly, we are guilty concerning our brother because we saw the distress of his soul when he pleaded with us. And yet we would not listen. For this reason, this distress has happened to us. And Reuben answered and said, did I not tell you do not sin against the boy and you would not listen? Now justice for his blood is required. They're reflecting back. Now, this this is a long time ago. They're reflecting back. And this is the only text that we have where it says Joseph's heart is breaking. He's 17. They they bind him. They grab him. They're arguing whether or not he should be killed or not. And it says that Joseph, we saw the distress of his soul when he pleaded with us. Can you imagine the little brother begging his brothers, don't kill me? You, Ed, you can make a scene out of that movie. That's intense. Please don't kill me. Please don't kill me. Please. I'm just telling you my dream. I, this is what God I I don't know what's going on. Please don't hurt me. And he's begging for his life. And Reuben Reuben says, you know, to the knuckleheaded brother, She had told you not to hurt him. Now look what's happening. You know, I tried to protect him, but you all wouldn't listen. You know. Can you see the brothers going at it? It's crazy verse 23 they did not know however that joseph understood them for there was an interpreter between them you know what's happened to joseph he's forgetting his hebrew he's speaking coptic he's speaking egypt fluently by now and he's forgetting some hebrew and so there's an interpreter there and now and his hebrews coming back and he's getting it all and verse 24 He turned away from them and wept. Can you imagine hearing your brother say, don't you remember? He kept begging, please don't hurt me, don't hurt me. And we ignored him. And I was the one that told you don't kill him. Now look, we're going to get what we deserve. He's hearing all this. And it it so hits him that he has to turn away and he weeps. He comes back. And he said to them, I'm going to take Simon and I'm going to put him in prison. The rest of you go and you better bring back the baby brother. That's how it's going to be. And then he gave orders to fill the bags of grain and then and then refuse payment. Take the money that they had given and put it inside the mouth of the sack and then even gave them provisions for the long journey. So they loaded the donkeys with their grain and departed from there. Now, verse 28, when they went to go feed the donkeys at one of the overnight camp camping sites, one of the brothers said, look, my money is in the bag. It's returned. Look, it's right in my sack. Then the hearts, their hearts sank and they turned trembling to one another, saying, what is this that God has done? they're scared they're afraid when they found that they their money was returned and they were given extra provisions they were afraid so they finally get to Jacob's house in the land of Canaan they tell him everything that happened the man the lord of the land spoke harshly with us and took us for spies but we said to him we are honest men we're not spies We are 12 brothers, sons of our father. One is no longer alive and the younger is with our father today in the land of Canaan. But the man of the Lord of the land said, By this I will know if you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers with me and take grain for the famine and go. Bring your youngest brother to me so that I may know that you're not spies and you're honest men. And when Jacob heard that, (laughs) Jacob said, you have deprived me of my sons. Joseph is gone. Simon is gone. And now you would take Benjamin. All these things are against me. It's like, it's like Jacob is like, all of life is against me. He's exasperated. I'm going to say something, read something uh, in the scriptures. The scriptures say some really raw and tough things sometimes, Okay. Now, Reuben, you've got to appreciate this moment here. Reuben is the guy that said, you know, hey, when they arrested little Joseph, don't kill him. You know, let's not do that. Let's not be harsh. Look at this. Verse 37. Jacob's despairing. You know, I've lost Joseph. I've lost Simon. And now they want Benjamin. Oh, life is against me. Verse 37. Reuben said to his father, I'll tell you what you may put my two sons to death if I don't bring back Simon to you. What? What? You're the guy, you know, defending Joseph so they wouldn't kill him, and now you're offering your two sons as guaranteed payment that if if he makes the trip down to Egypt and doesn't bring Simon back, and of course Benjamin with him, that, that... Jacob gets to sacrifice his two grandsons? How absurd is that? What is going on with these knuckleheads? But Jacob said, my son shall not go down with you. For his brother is dead and he alone is left. If harm should happen to him on the journey on the journey you are taking, then you will bring my gray hair down to hell. In Hebrew, sheol, down to sheol in disgrace and sorrow. Wow, what a mess. Let's walk through some things. Okay. So check this out. In the first block, um, the sons of Israel came to buy grain. I told you all this all the stuff that's been happening in all these stories, it's all coming together. God is setting the scene for an amazing thing to happen in Egypt. We looked at that Uh, I I told you that Joseph recognized his brothers. He didn't, or they didn't recognize him. Um, Joseph remembers the dreams that he had. His brothers confess that they're honest men. What in the world does that mean? And uh, you have in verse 21, they're talking to each other. They don't realize Joseph is overhearing. And they're saying, look, we're guilty. Man, this is payback what we did to little Joseph, it is payback time. And Joseph understood those things. There was an interpreter. And then uh, these, these brothers, they don't know what to think about getting the grain for free. They're, they're scared. It, it actually gives them distress. They keep saying they're honest men. They're honest men. They're honest men. And Joseph knows exactly what he's doing. Um, let's look at this. Let's do life application. Number one, um, God is about to reveal why Joseph was down in Egypt. And he, does, he reveals his purposes when he's good and ready. Look at number two, though. Uh, Joseph saw his brothers. He recognized them, but they didn't recognize him. He disguised himself. Why? A couple of observations. Number one, guilty people sometimes have a hard time recognizing their victims. Okay. Maybe the brothers had a hard time seeing Joseph because they were guilty, and sometimes the guilt and shame is intense, and it's blinding. Or maybe God was just keeping Joseph's identity hidden, or maybe Joseph was just dressed in full Egyptian regalia, which included makeup, by the way. Uh, males wore makeup as well as females, and they did this as status symbols. Okay? And so the higher status, the higher economic status you had higher the nobility, you had more money, you would be able to buy uh, uh, higher quality and more, more makeup. Um, so maybe, maybe it was all those things. We, we don't know. But the brothers did not recognize Joseph. Number three, he spoke harshly. Why? Joseph is intentionally testing them to see if they've changed. Do you think he's testing them? Or maybe Joseph is relapsing into anger and resentment. Maybe what do you guys think on that one? Um, I'm assuming that many of you have been hurt deeply by someone, whether it's a spouse, uh, a parent, a sibling, a, a child, your own child has hurt you deeply and said some ugly, ugly things to you and done terrible things to you. And, you know, you, you claim to be a, a Christ follower. You claim to, to forgive And yet, sometimes, even when we announce that we've forgiven, and we say, Lord, I forgive my sister, I forgive my brother, I forgive my wife, forgive my husband or something, sometimes the wound still sits deep inside of us. You know why? Memories don't go away. We can give forgiveness. We can say, I forgive you, I understand, you repent, I forgive you. But that doesn't make the memories go away. They're all there. Everything's on storage. Okay and when you get in a certain situation all of a sudden that pain can come rushing out and you find yourself weeping uncontrollably and you're not really sure why or you find yourself angry over the years of abuse over the years of disappointment and even though you've asked forgive you, you you've pronounced forgiveness and you've done it a dozen times Sometimes when the trauma sits deep, it will come rushing out. Is Joseph relapsing? It's his chance to have the upper hand. Maybe. Look at this one. Joseph remembered the dreams. Can I encourage you that God knows how to vindicate you? He does. When everyone around you calls you the fool when everyone around you calls you, the, you know, you're the ne'er-do-well, you're not going to make it or you're a loser boy, loser girl you, know, you, you can't make a decent decision to save your life, whatever the case may be when everybody around you is being negative and critical and judgmental, God knows how to vindicate you God sees your worth God knows how to give you a dream Five um, We're all the sons of one man honest men. that's That just really strikes me. What in the world does that mean? Well, one option is uh, they're self-deceived and they can't tell they're liars. You know what it means to be a pathological liar? You get to a place where you're believing your own lies (laughs) like you think it's truth. You know, that's scary. Or they're just ancient Mediterranean people and you lie because that's what you do. A good liar helps you gain your honor, keep your honor. Or they're guilty. This is interesting. These guys are guilty men, but they're going to focus on one little small aspect of their life. And because they're at least truthful there, they're going to grab onto that and market themselves as being honest men. Do you understand what I just told you? I'm trying to do it this way with my hands. This is your life and all the stuff in between. And you're basically guilty. Let's say 90% is guilt. You are one bad dude. You're one bad chick. Okay full of stuff that's not in the kingdom of God. But there's this little bit part of your life right over here where you really were honest. They asked you a hard question and you told the truth. Good job. And so we're going to <laughs> focus on that one. We're honest, man. We're honest, I promise. We're telling the truth. We got a dad and there were 12 boys and we're here to buy a grain. We're telling the truth, you know, for that little slice. They're truth tellers. But if you look at the whole of their life, it's like, oh my gosh, these are scoundrels. Isn't that interesting that we do that sometimes? We overlook the mountain of guilt inside our lives, the mountain of responsibility that we neglect intentionally. As Jordan Peterson says, we know we're doing wrong and we know we're doing wrong. A mountain of responsibility we're ignoring. But this one little spot, and we zero in on that like, ah, this justifies my life like you can treat your wife like she's trash but i wash the dishes for you aren't i a good husband meanwhile in the average 24 hours of the day yeah you get the point don't you sometimes guilty people act guilty and they're full of evil and dark and cruel things. And they're good at avoiding, but they can focus on a little slice where they got it right. There, see, we're honest men. Yeah. And you keep reading the stories, like, oh man, and this big exchange, you know, oh man, we're in trouble. I told you guys we shouldn't have did that to Joseph. You know, interpretation what? Well. They're just ancient Mediterranean people, and it's, they're believing in the law of ret- retribution. It goes around, comes around. Eye for an eye. That's what these guys are doing. Oh, man, we messed up with Joseph. It's payback. It's 14 years later, or, or more than that. You know, it's only close to 20 years later. Oh, boy, this is a mess. We're going to get it now. Or, again, they're just acting like guilty people. Or maybe the Holy Spirit's at work in them. Reuben tends to minimize his guilt. I told you not to kill him. Seven. Then he turned away from them and wept. Why did Joseph weep? Did he long to be restored with his brothers and his father? He wanted family. He wanted it. Is Joseph broken by the years of abuse and abandonment? Is that why he wept? Maybe. Maybe. What is, the, what is this that God has done? They were shocked and surprised when they found the money in the sacks of grain. Was that all? Like, oh my gosh, what's this? I can't believe this. Or they go, you know what? We've been practicing deception and this feels like a trap. And they were afraid. Or sometimes good things feel bad to guilty people. Sometimes good things feel like bad things to guilty people. Sometimes guilty people don't know how to be happy. Nine, Reuben spoke to his father saying, you can put my two sons to death. That is disgusting. Uh, if I don't bring back your, your Simon. Reuben is proving that he has damaged and distorted view of life. Reuben is just doing this radical contract because that's what they do back then. I don't know, it's a mess. I think Reuben's trying to fix things in the wrong way alright there's a summary I want to turn it over to you guys you are you're the church you know Genesis 42 God is, is doing amazing things and he's, he's orchestrating a reunion with Joseph and his brothers And oh man it is a cry fest it is amazing How do we we move this into our world today so that we are wise with our relationships? Michael, what do you think?
1: I actually got a question. Okay. What, uh, I might have just missed it in the scripture, but what led the brothers to have a conversation about something that happened 10, 20 years ago as as the thing that uh, has caused what was going on then? Guilt. So some of the interpretations that mentioned that they are largely could have possibly largely been guilty, uh, people. If that was the case, I'm not sure that they would have focused on that one incident. Uh, yeah, you know, it, yeah. it seems to me like it's, it's gotta be in the forefronts of their brain for some reason.
0: Oh, it is. That's yeah. That's really good. Michael. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Um, Human, think, go, ahead. go ahead. I think when you're hurt by like family or friends, like really deeply like that, you don't dwell on it in anger, but you just, like, forgive as
1: much as you can, you know. Yeah. But then just trust that God
0: will, like, reconcile it. And don't, like, be like, oh, they need to um, be nice to me again, or I need to forgive them because... It needs to happen right now. Like, Thank Force Yeah. That's really good, Margaret. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Is, is forgiving
0: forgetting? No, not at all. Not at all. Forgiveness is not forgetting. You will always remember. So, Georgia? Um, so, with Reuben constantly kind of being Reuben, Yeah. <laughs> let's put it yeah. That way, yeah. Um,
1: he made sure they remembered because it seems to be in his character and minimizing his own guilt. He's trying to make sure we all did this. Mm-hmm. It was all of us. Yeah. Yeah. But that's really good. Yeah. Sure yeah.
0: Yeah. That is really good. Uh, by the way, um, uh, if we could kind of peel back our little religious veneers just a little bit, um, You know, sometimes we make mistakes, right? Like five years ago, ten years ago, last month, we make a mistake. And then, and then we're kind of rocking on with our life, and then something bad happens. And what's the first thing we do? We go back and, oh, God's, God's getting me. It's payback, you know. Isn't it a curious thing that we keep asking forgiveness for the same sins? Again, again, and again. Almost like, like our past sin history has power over us. And not only does Satan know how to weaponize our sin history against us, we know how to weaponize our sin history against ourselves. And like, oh man, when I, you know, I, I cut the tires on that cop car when I was drunk, and I shouldn't have done that. And, and, you know, that was seven, seven years ago, but that's why I'm getting the speeding ticket right now. You know, we try to put this stuff together, you know, and we, we try to link it up. And, and we think it's that eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth mindset, that law of retribution. The, that's these people. They know what they did to their brother was wrong. They know. And I think it haunts them. Can I give you guys hope? Is that okay if we have some hope? According to the book of Revelation, we're going to all stand before God at the great white throne judgment, and we will give an account for everything. Every idle word, every time we spoke French because we couldn't find our keys, or whatever it is, whatever it is. You laugh, but you know what I'm talking about. We're going to give an account. What a wonderful time to be covered with the blood of Jesus. What a wonderful time to be so bathed in the blood of Jesus Christ, the blood of the Lamb, that we are forgiven. And when the books are open, God says, well, there's nothing to charge to your account. You're you're not guilty. Everything's been erased. You have no debt. What a beautiful, that is grace. You don't earn that. It is grace. Someone else. A contrast of, of brothers.
1: You know, we we look at the extreme nature of what Ruth pledges to do, which I'm fairly sure he had no idea. Of yeah. Oh, it's ancient Mediterranean. They were just savages and such and such. So. <clears throat> it's an awfully convenient thing to be able to do when we live in this era that's been so colored by Christianity whether people know it or not that it has civilized people to the point that something like that sounds barbaric, insane and barbaric. Mm-hmm. we are no different because really what they're doing is projecting their guilt, their insecurity and their internal strife and the ten plus year lie that they have maintained onto a situation where it's not worth it which is what guilty people do if you're guilty inside you paint others with the guilt that you feel yourself. And damage the situation by assuming that the guy across the table from you is just like you. We do it all the time and not even realizing that we do it. And that's what they're doing right here. Well, boy, somebody's trying to get one on us and, and mess with us because that's what we did. And all the while, God is the same God who's trying to reconcile everybody to himself and to each other. They can't see it because they're too obsessed and overwhelmed with what they've done. To uh, recognize what's going on. And so, uh, they are no different than
0: we are. Yeah. Joe, you know who's a dangerous person? The person who thinks they're righteous and thinks they have a right to hold a microscope over everybody. Watch out for that person. They're dangerous. They're dangerous.
1: Also, like with
0: Ruben, he was the oldest, correct? I'm going to trust you. You have a PhD. I think I, well, I, know, I thought he was <laughs> We're going with you. <laughs> I don't know. I thought he was the oldest. Right. I think so, yeah. I can't Is remember. It no, the I don't think he was the oldest. Yeah. I uh, maybe, I always just felt like he
1: felt responsible, like he's the one that spoke up, but he actually didn't stop them. And yeah, I he couldn't do it. He yeah. carried
0: this great amount of guilt, and so he's in response to that, he does yeah. something really dumb. Yeah. Offering his. Extreme. By the way, the same thing happens in the next chapter, but it's the Judah is the one that says, Dad, look, let me have Ben, I'll take him down to Egypt, I'll get Simon, I'll fix this thing. Please, come on, Dad. And and Israel goes, Okay, why not? I'm losing everybody anyway, so go ahead. But but Reuben was not Reuben couldn't persuade his dad. Yeah. Yeah. So What's that? Uh, this is after. Yeah, it's a mess. It is a mess. Um, Joe, Proverbs 28.1 is really interesting. It says, The wicked flee when nobody chases them. <laughs> the wicked flee when nobody chases them. In other words, guilty people are guilty. And they project it onto others, and so they run. So, yeah. I love random questions. Uh, Jack? I
1: think that was directly. Jacob returning to form when he favored Joseph, which created a lot
0: of problems. It's a... I think in the case that Jacob had a learning. Yeah, yeah. You remember what his favorite was? That's what I was... Thank you. You picked it up some. Yeah, yeah. So, but we can conclude, uh, any mom and dad that plays favorites... Is causing trouble at home kids notice, don't they yeah yeah so they notice I'm getting some nods around here i'm I'm saying it and getting it. damn. Yes. There's probably some of
1: that going
0: on. Oh, yeah, lots of tension. Lots of tension. Yeah, yeah. So there we go. Um, Yes. See, that's not fair. See, that is so not fair. I'm up here, all vulnerable, and here I am with nothing, and you guys get to Google stuff. That is not fair. All right. I feel so better. Can I turn and weep just for a second? All right, I'm better. Res- <laughs> so rescue church of ladies <laughs> um, so it was also the fact that Benjamin and Joseph were the children of the favored wife as yep. well yep. so that's the yep. other reason why they would have been favored a little bit yes. um, yeah. and especially since you know Israel thinks he
1: lost his firstborn
0: from his favorite um, yeah. he's going to be extra
1: protective of yes.
0: the last one from her yes because that he is so her. good yeah. So yeah yeah Yeah, I want to do this. Um, I want to take it to a very, very specific conclusion here. Um, Jesus, Jesus said this. He said, if you're with a brother and you look in their eye and you see a speck, who are you to judge the speck in your brother's eye? And you say, hey, look. Uh, let me disciple you and fix you by taking that speck out of that moral problem, that little speck in your eye. Let me take that out and fix you, morally. And Jesus says, when you have a log coming out of your eye, when you are by far a greater moral failure than the person with the speck, how in the world can you see the speck when you've got a log in your own eye? First, remove the log in your eye. In other words, get your life together. Learn the sanity of faith, hope, and love. Learn grace. Learn forgiveness. And when you get your life together, then you can spot the speck in somebody else's eye and help them work it out because you know love, because you know grace, and you know truth. So Paul writes brilliantly, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Do you know what that means? There's not a person in this room who's not guilty. We are all guilty, right? And whether whether your guilt centers around an abortion that you've never dealt with and the pain that that brings you, or whether your guilt centers around you got drunk in a poker game on Jack Daniels and cut the car cop car tires or whatever it is, and you ended up in the county jail, whatever it is, you robbed a bank. It doesn't matter. Whatever it is, or the the ongoing sin of you with no accountability in an iPhone. And the guilt is unrelenting. I want to read something to you. If we say that we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous, and he will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if we say that we've not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the full payment for our sins. Not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. What I'm trying to tell you, dear Christ Church, is that we need forgiveness. We need grace. We need to experience and receive the love of God, the forgiveness of God. And we need to learn how to treat people that same way. As we have received mercy, we give mercy. As we have received love, we give love. Which means we do not judge the sins of another person, whatever their struggle may be. You do not judge them and shame them. You love them and you walk through their pain and you share your story with them. What is that? What's that? that? Uh, that is 1 John chapter 1 verses 8 uh, down to chapter 2 verse 2. Somebody else on this, this story. Brothers gone sideways trying to get things right. Yes, Kim. Or Quinn, excuse me. As
1: every, little, every little thing that a person has ever done, like when they a little kid and they forgot about, every little thing that eats them up inside for their entire life is guilt. Every little tiny thing that a person has ever done, weighing down on them that guilt, eating them up and boiling them, I think that could help.
0: Yeah, I think you're getting at something really well. Quinn, guilt, bitterness is a, is a, man. It's a tough thing. Bitterness will eat you up. Yeah, whether it's bitterness against yourself or other people, you know. <clears throat> yeah. Someone else. Yeah, James. I wonder if
1: Joseph wept <clears throat> partly because he recognized God. <clears throat> Was vindicated that God was answering the prayer
0: that He asked for all those years, and some of it was just maybe joy and relief. Yeah, Jay, and, and yeah, Jay. I know you know people who've been falsely accused, and they bear that burden for a long time. One day they will be vindicated. One day. But waiting's hard. <laughs> waiting's hard prison can get real lonely, man. it is. Yeah. You understand. Yes, Matt. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Someone else? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. I want to pray for you. Yeah. Abba, Father, uh, For the person here that he's been like Joseph and they have been harmed terribly. Teach us grace. Teach us the power of forgiveness and setting someone free, letting them go. For the person that's guilty and we've committed the sin, we've done the unthinkable. Your grace and your love are real for us too. And you can forgive us and cleanse us and we don't have to go around as guilty people projecting guilt on others and being just flat miserable to live with. Teach us to love you with all our hearts as you have loved us and to love people the way you have loved them. Thank you so much for your love and grace. In Jesus' name, amen.